0: Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Piringer. Today we're going to be in First Samuel chapter 17, and I'm going to be kind of doing uh, some various verses uh, from that. Now there's a story about a young poor boy and his name was Jack. He lived with his mother in a small cottage in a very poor little village. And a drought came and took its toll on the village. Ooh, Jack and his mother were in quite dire straits. Now to help them financially, to help their finances, they decided to sell their prized cow. But instead of getting money for that prized cow, Jack instead decided to take in hand magic magic seeds. These seeds were planted and they grew into this enormous plant that reached into the heavens and ever the adventurer Jack climbed up that plant and he found at the top another land in the clouds with a very large castle and in that castle was a giant who was very rich. Well Jack decided to help himself to some of the riches but he dipped his hand into the coffer one too many times and the giant found out And he began chasing Jack, and Jack scurried down the enormous plant with the giant close behind. When Jack finally got back to land, he found an axe and he chopped the plant down, thus ending both the plant and the giant. Now you know that story as a short, short version of the fairy tale of Jack and the Beanstalk. But whereas the giant That Jack faced was fictional. There are trials in our lives, there's problems in our lives, there's enemies that we face that are all too real, that are larger than life, and in many ways seem giant. There might be some here sitting in the pews who feel that their their problems are way too big for them to handle, way too giant some face physical ailments others might face financial problems others may suffer from overwhelming emotions like fear or depression others might have work problems some here might have school problems some here might have relational problems be it marriage or trouble with children or something like that some are in sin habits that cannot seem to be broken you know jack had just one giant to deal with Some of us, we might have what seems like several giants to deal with. And then we have an enemy, the enemy of our soul, who takes our trials and our troubles and our problems, and he harasses us with them. He tries to increase the problems, make them seem too giant for us. Now, there's a lie that a lot of false teachers put out there that, you know what, if you come to Jesus Christ, all your troubles will go away. No, they don't. In fact, sometimes after you come to Christ, your problems seem to get, you know, they seem to increase. But here's the thing when you are a child of God through Jesus Christ, you don't face your trials alone. You don't have to fight them alone. In fact, you really don't have to fight them in your own strength at all, because it is God who fights our battles for us. Yeah, You know what? Our problems seem big, giant. But you know what? Our God is even bigger. We're looking at a you know, somewhat familiar passage, and I want to use this passage to give us some understanding about how the enemy of our soul tries to use our trials and our problems to his advantage over us, the the wiles that he uses, the tactics that he uses to try and overwhelm us, to make us think that our problems and trials are the biggest things that are out there in the entire universe. As he tries to prevent us from running to God for refuge. To be our fortress, to be our hiding place. And so we're going to talk about those tactics. Now to give a little bit of context to the passage that we're looking at, there's, there's the, these group of people called the Philistines they they were this Canaanite race that, well, I mean, if you read the Old Testament, they were just a constant thorn in the side of Israel. And here they, the Philistines and Israel are locked in war. And at one battle, Israel is encamped on one mountain, and the Philistines are encamped on this other mountain, and there's this large valley in between. And there's this Philistine champion named Goliath. He was a literal giant of a man. And he would daily come out into the valley and challenge Israel to send someone out to battle him. Send someone to fight me, he would say. He mocked Israel. He mocked their God. He boasted about many great things. And he represents our problem and he represents the enemy of our soul who tries to make us think that our problems are too big, even for God he's able to harass us like this right now because right now we're in hostile territory I mean it is not just a cliche or an old gospel song that this world is not our home this world is not our home this is enemy territory right now we are in enemy territory and so there is going to be a battle there is going to be a fight there is going to be issues and problems and and the enemy is going to do whatever he can to neutralize us, to make us ineffective so we, we don't do anything to his work. We don't do anything to encroach on his domain. And so I want to spend some time warning about the tactics that he uses against us before I close with a little bit of an encouragement that the Philistines might have their champion, but we have ours. And so let's begin with the, some of the tactics that the enemy uses against us. And the first tactic that he uses is that the enemy gets our focus on the problem and off of God. He gets our focus off of God. So that it's like our, our, right there, in front of our face at all times, is our problem. And the enemy wants us to focus there. Right, in our problems. Now, let me read the first 11 verses of 1 Samuel 17. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and they encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes-damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, And drew up a line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, somewhere in the seven to nine foot range. He had a helmet of bronze on his head. And he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. And, and the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And a shield-bearer went before him. He, he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? They were dismayed, and they were greatly afraid. So, here is this literal giant of a man in armor that weighs a ton. He walks into the middle of the valley for all eyes to see, and he starts boasting great things. He's trying to induce fear in all who hear him. He wants all eyes focused on him. To make sure that everybody knows exactly how tough he is. I am Goliath of Gath. I am strong. He wants all attention on him. And the Israelites bought into it. All their focus was on him. Even though these are God's chosen people, they knew who their God was they knew how God had revealed himself and shown himself all throughout the history of Israel. All they saw was the giant. It says in verse 11, they saw the giant, they heard all the words that he boasted, and they were dismayed, and they were greatly afraid because their eyes were on Goliath, and they completely forgot about their God. Now, no doubt, Goliath was a bad man. He was a big man. He was one bad dude. He was a giant of a problem. But this giant man, who is he in comparison to God? He's nothing. He can't do anything to God. But he didn't want the Israelites to know that. He didn't want the Israelites thinking that way. He didn't want the, Israelite, the Israelites to have a proper perspective. He didn't want them to start thinking, well, you know what, here's this man and here's our God. I mean, who, who is he in comparison to God? He didn't want them thinking that way. He wanted their eyes on him so they would be afraid. And so he did whatever he could do to get the focus on him and be afraid, have fear. He didn't want them thinking about their God and thinking, oh, wait a minute, you know what? Our God is so much bigger and stronger than this little puny man. He didn't want to do that. He he wanted the focus completely changed. Look at how tough I am and fear me. That's what the enemy does with our problems. Look at your problem and fear. Look at your problem and be dismayed. And so he barks a whole lot about how you need to fear, how you need to be afraid, how God can't help you. You know, it makes me think about our pets. Our pets are weird. Our pets are funny. And we have this dog, Jane Eyre. She is... A Chocolate Lab and Weimaraner, if that's the proper pronunciation, she's a mix. She is the sweetest dog on the face of this earth. But I'll tell you what, if someone approaches our front door, rings the doorbell, or just approaches our front door, and, well, actually, I mean, if if neighbors are just out walking on the sidewalk in front of our house, you would swear she was Cujo. She starts going off, like, na 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 but if you would come into our house, all she wants to do is lick your face. She's a whole lot of bark and no bite at all. But she doesn't want you to know that. As long as you're on the outside, right? She wants to. Fo- she wants you to focus on the fear. Focus on me. I'm a mean, ferocious dog. Hear me. Hear me bark. She doesn't want you to know how what she's really like, I mean, until you get in, and she's like, oh, people. I'm mean and ferocious. Don't mind the dog that's behind the curtain, so to speak. And so here's our enemy's tactic. Wants us to focus in on him. Wants to focus in on the problem instead of focusing on the one who is the solution. The enemy knows you have a trial in your life. The enemy may have caused the trial in your life. He knows that as long as your eyes are focused on the problem and not on God, he's able to disable you. Because instead of living for God, you're going to be in despair. You're going to be in this woe-is-me mode. And then you know what? If you're in that mode, he doesn't have to worry about you. You're, You're no threat to his domain. You're not going to thwart any of his plans. And so he gets... Your focus on the problem and not God. He makes big boasts about himself and the problem so that you forget about God and you forget how big your God is and how small your problem and the enemy is in comparison. And so you're just going to spend your time worrying, worrying about your trouble, your problem. He makes your troubles, your problems look like the mighty Goliath in the middle. Of the valley and forgetting about your great God and so that's just one tactic that he uses a second tactic that he uses is the enemy makes you think your problem is relentless it's relentless it's never going to give up just to save time I'm just gonna read one verse here in verse 16 for 40 days the Philistine came forward and took his stand mourning evening so it says there that every day morning and evening Goliath went out out into that valley and he gave the same challenge over and over again and he made the same boasts about how great he thinks he is over and over again for 40 days at least twice a day if not more Goliath With all his attitude, with his size, he would come out, he would taunt, he would incite. And all the Israelites chose to do was to sit in fear. Never giving any sort of answer in in return. And it was relentless. And and, and the enemy is going to make you think that your trials and problems are relentless because the enemy is going to remind you of your problems and trials over and over again, morning after morning, day after day. The enemy makes sure that when you wake up in the morning, you remember about your problem. The enemy makes sure that when you're trying to go to bed at night, that you remember your problem and lose sleep. And he's going to taunt you with it. He's going to intimidate you. He's going to to just revile you all day long and make everything seem hopeless. He's going to make you think that it's not going to go away and you might as well just give in to despair. So he'll remind you over and over again, yeah, you know, you got this big problem going on in your life. He's going to make you think that God don't care, that God ain't there. Look. You're going through this, God hasn't done a thing, so you might as well just give up. Turn your back on God. He knows that God doesn't work on our timetable, we should know that God doesn't work on our timetable. But you know what, he's, he's, the enemy is going to try and give you the lie that, you know what, it's just never going to give up. It's never going to stop. And that's so hard for us in our day and age. In, in a world where everything is just instant. It's so easy to give in the lie that, well, if, it, if something doesn't go away right away, it's never going to go away at all. And so God must not see. God must not care. Because we don't see an immediate solution to our problem. I mean, we are used to having a problem, doing something, and getting results immediately. I have a headache. Take some Advil. Headache's gone. I'm hungry. Stick food in the microwave for two minutes. Now I got a meal. And so then we take that into our spiritual life. I should pray. That's the magic pill. I get an answer to prayer immediately. And when it doesn't come immediately, (gasps) that's not how God works. In fact, God, there might be a reason why God is allowing you to endure through these trials, through these trials, through these problems. He might use the trials for our spiritual growth. He might use these trials to discipline us. He He might use these trials to reveal something about himself. He might use these trials to reveal something about ourselves. But when these problems linger, these trials linger, the enemy is going to want you to think there there is no relief from this ever. Now, now, to be truthful, there is not one promise in Scripture that says your trials will end while you're still on this earth. But that's when we remember that the promises of God are eternal. Eternal. They, they go beyond our short life on, in this world. If you're a child of God through Jesus Christ, you have at least the knowledge that your trials and troubles will not follow you into the next life, where he takes away all pain, where he wipes away every tear. Now, if you're not a child of God through Jesus Christ, I mean, not only will your troubles from earth follow you into the next life, there's going to be a whole lot more that gets piled on with that but if your child got through jesus christ you have eternal promises that yes your trials your problems are happening here on this earth you might not get instant relief you might not get relief while you're alive on this earth but the promises are eternal when you go into eternity You will receive joy, unspeakable, peace like you've never had before. But the enemy doesn't want you thinking that way. The enemy wants you thinking, no, there's no relief. Your problems are relentless. You're never going to have hope. You're never going to have peace. And we cannot allow the enemy's lies to steal hope, peace, joy from us. So that's another tactic that he uses. There's a third tactic that he uses. Number three, the enemy uses our problems to gain more ground, more ground into our life. Let me read verses 20 through 27. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches, and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the man who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, So shall it be done to the man who kills him. The enemy wants to get a foothold in our life. He wants to get the, his foot in the door of our life, so to speak. But he doesn't want to just stop with a foothold. He doesn't want to just stop with his foot in the door. He's going to do whatever he can to wiggle his way into our life and start affecting all sorts of areas in our life again so that he could lead us away from God and make us an effective in our service to god and he's going to use our problems to attempt to gain more ground into our lives and have greater influence over us we see this here because there is a very tiny detail in these verses that i read that is subtle and easy to overlook but we see what goliath is doing and it's very representative of what our enemy does Because right in the first 11 verses that I read, it describes Goliath. He's coming into the middle of the valley, and he's making his challenge. And day after day, he keeps coming and making the challenge. But verses 23 and 25, they describe Goliath as coming up. Now listen to this. This is the picture that is being given here. Philistines are on this mountain. Israel is over on this mountain. Goliath came down, stood in the middle of the valley, gave his challenge. Israel did nothing about it. And so do you know what Goliath did every day? And every time he made the challenge, he came down from the Philistine lines, and he moved closer. And he moved closer to Israel's mountain, and he moved closer to Israel's mountain. And he was never challenged israel was too afraid then all of a sudden goliath he starts going up israel's mountain he comes down from the philistines goes through the valley starts going up israel's mountain he's climbing the mountain to challenge israel and it says that israel scattered whenever they he he came around he's he is gaining more ground he was making his way up to the israelite camp in israel still did nothing about it and so our enemy he takes our trials and problems and he tries to get a foothold and if he gets that foothold he's going to well i'm going to keep moving until something is done i'm going to try and keep gaining greater influence into this person's life if this person isn't going to run to god for refuge i'm just going to keep advancing You know, Goliath, he thought, well, Israel's not doing anything about it. I'm just going to cover more ground. And the enemy sees we aren't running to God for help. We're relying on ourselves. All we're doing is worrying instead of praying, worrying instead of running to God. Well, okay, he's just going to keep covering more ground. He's just going to keep advancing until something is done about it. It reminds me of bullies in school. As long as nobody's going to do something to that bully, they're just going to increase their meanness and their harmful ways. It isn't until somebody runs to an authority and they stand up to the bully and put that bully in check, that you know what? The bully leaves them alone. As long as we focus on our problems instead of God, as long as we give into the idea that well there's no hope and we give in to despair the enemy is just going to keep advancing and advancing and covering more ground if we're not running to God as the old adage goes if you give him an inch he's going to take a mile and so instead of letting the enemy use your trials as a way to exert more influence in your life Kick him out. Run to God. Seek his refuge. Get the devil's foot out of the door and lock it shut. That doesn't mean your problem disappears. But the enemy is not using your problem as a way to gain influence in your life. Run to the Lord for protection, who is your refuge and your only hope. And that leads to, very quickly, kind of the answer to to these things. Number four We have a champion who is greater than our enemy. We have a champion who is greater than our enemy. Don't have time to read all the rest of it, but we know the rest of the story. Nobody in Israel would stand up to this guy. This enemy was hurling insults and reproaches and all sorts of garbage at Israel, the people of Israel, and at their God. Caused them to doubt God, caused them to doubt themselves. But finally, somebody stood up to take on the enemy and defeat his ways of discouragement. David, a mere shepherd boy, he had enough. He got his sling, he got some stones, and with one shot, he took down the enemy. The enemy was defeated. His ways and his boasts were exposed for what they were, nothing but hot air. And we, too, have a champion who has fought for us and has nullified the ways of the enemy. And no, the champion is not us. We are not the hero of this story. We are not David. In fact, we are not the hero of any story. Don't go around reading the Bible and saying, ooh, I'm this hero. No, you're not. You know who we are? We're the Israelites who were coward scared back in the camp. We only have one champion and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is always the hero. Jesus is always the champion and David is a picture of Christ who went out and defeated everything that stands against the people of God because at the cross, Jesus nullified the enemies Two greatest weapons that he uses against us, sin and death. Because for those who believe in Jesus, sin and death no longer have power or influence over us. So now all the enemy has is smoke and mirrors. The enemy is trying to distract us from who Christ is and who we are in Christ. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. But the enemy doesn't want us thinking like that. So the enemy is like an an illusionist using lights and movements to distract us from how the trick is done. Otherwise, the illusion would be destroyed. The, The enemy doesn't want to destroy the illusion. He wants us to believe the illusion that he has power and influence over us. He doesn't want us to consider that our champion has already won the battle and that our champion is our place of refuge. The enemy wants you to be overwhelmed by your trials and troubles and tribulations so that he can maintain this illusion of dominion. He'll try and keep us focused on him and our problems so that we don't focus on our great Savior. He'll try to discourage us into thinking that, well, you know what, your trials and your problems are even too big for God. And the more he does that, the more he is going to gain more and more ground. But, Christ has defanged the serpent. He has dispelled the darkness. He has defeated the giant. And so we make decisions and live in light of the truths that are given to us in Scripture instead of living in light of the lies that the enemy keeps feeding us. Now, Are are our problems real? Of course. Is the enemy real? Most definitely. But there's also the reality that we have a great Savior. As we sung, He is our living hope. And so you have a choice to believe in faith that God through Jesus Christ is big enough for any challenge that we have in our life and we trust in his goodness and his sovereignty or you can allow the enemy in and he can use your giant problem or seemingly giant problem to block your view of God hoping that you're just going to cower away in fear and then he doesn't have to worry about you Christian, I, I don't know what giant is in the valley that's taunting you today. But if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you have God's love and power on your side. And so come to the altar today and lay your giant problem at his feet and trust him to fight the battle for you instead of trying to do it yourself or not fighting at all and you know, letting, letting the enemy block your view of your wonderful God. But there's others here. You can't fight the giant because you are not in Christ. You don't know God. You don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I mean, you will not be able to defeat the enemy or his weapons. You have not defeated sin. You have not defeated death. And even where you think you are strong, you're not strong enough. You're not, and you have nowhere to go. You need a God who is big enough to handle your problems and the problems of the entire world. And he did, and he did it through Jesus Christ. And if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, today is the day Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, and he rose again so that you have eternal life and you have a living hope. You actually have something to hope in. Will you trust Him today? Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Walter Anna Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.